I now call Dr Jamie Wallace. Well, Mr Speaker. Uh, Mr Speaker, may I start by wishing you and all members a Happy New Year. Thanks to the heroic efforts of our vaccination programme and people coming forward up and down the country, uh, we managed to ensure that families uh, could still celebrate Christmas, with over 34 million people now boosted. And I want to take the opportunity to say that anybody who has not yet done so should come forward and get boosted now. Uh, Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in this House. I shall have further such meeting later today. Dr Jebby. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Sadiq Khan's TfL in Tatters and the Welsh Labour Nationalist Coalition in Cardiff Bay, an unfunded devolved disaster. Prime Minister agree with me that the great British public don't need to look back at the last UK Labour government to see what this opposition's answer to all our problems is, which is to bang at the doors of the Treasury demanding that the taxpayer bail them out of their own ineptitude and incompetence. Mr Speaker, it's not just Labour's record in London or in Wales. Every Labour government in history since the Second World War has left office with unemployment higher than when they came in. And that's because only Conservatives can be trusted to deliver on the economy and on on the people's priorities. And that is why, Mr Speaker, this country now, thanks to the policies we have pursued, has the fastest economic growth in the G7. We now come to the Deputy Leader of the Opposition, Angela Rayner. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and a Happy New Year to you and the rest of the House. Mr Speaker, over the Christmas break, the world lost a giant in the fight of equality and human rights, the great Desmond Tutu. And I would like to offer my condolences to his family and to the people of South Africa. And I'd also like to thank all of those key workers who have kept our essential services running over the festive period, particularly all those staff and volunteers working at vaccination sites and our amazing NHS staff working incredibly hard with incredibly stretched circumstances. But I know we're going to come on to that after PMQs with the Prime Minister. And I'd also like to thank the formidable Sue Gray, who I know has been busier than Santa over the festive period. (laughs) Mr Speaker, in October, in October, the Prime Minister said that fears about inflation were unfounded. But working people across the country are starting the new year facing rising bills and ballooning prices. So how did he get it so wrong? Uh, Well, Mr Speaker, uh, what the government has been... uh, And, of course, I said no such thing, because inflation is always something uh, that 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 we have to be careful. Uh, about. But what we are doing, Mr Speaker, is, making, sh- is making, sure, making sure that we protect the people of this country throughout what is unquestionably going to be a difficult period. And that's why uh, we are ensuring that we've lifted the living wage uh, by record sums, uh, Mr Speaker. We make sure people have uh, cold weather payments, uh, making sure that they have the, uh, the warm homes discount, all the other protections, the £500 million uh, fund that we put in uh, to help local councils uh, look after people uh, through what will be a, a difficult period. Uh, but the most important thing we can do to look after people during this very difficult time, uh, Mr Speaker, is to ensure that we take the balanced and proportionate approach uh, that we are 
uh, to ensure that we're able to keep our country and our society going, Mr Speaker, and uh, that is exactly what we are doing. And uh, that is why we doubled down on the booster programme, and that is why we are sticking with Plan B, Mr Speaker. And that's the right approach for the country. Angela Rayner. Mr Speaker, inflation is about to hit 6%. That's the highest rate since the early 90s, when the Conservatives have been in power for over a decade, marred in their sleaze with a divided party, a Prime Minister losing the support of his backbenchers and governing shambolically, and a Labour Party, Mr Speaker, who is ready to take over and provide the Britain with a better future. promised wage rises would offset inflation. They haven't and they won't. Millions of British workers now face a further pay cut and his Chancellor is handing them a tax hike. What will the Prime Minister do to get a grip of this? Uh, Mr Speaker, I I know that she uh, it's great to be here with the, the Right Honourable uh, Lady, the Shadow Secretary of State, for the future of work. We know the future of the job that she has in mind. Uh, but uh, I, wish, I, wish, I, wish, I wish her well. I wish her well. Uh, but what we are focused on, what we are focused on, Mr Speaker, what is delivering jobs for the British people. And, and it is a quite extraordinary thing. Uh, that there are now record numbers of people in work, Mr Speaker, 420,000 more than there were before the pandemic began, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, We have youth unemployment at a record low, Mr Speaker, and never let it be forgotten uh, that when when Omicron hit this country, uh, Mr. Speaker, what was their instinctive response? They said, "Yep, that's right, Mr. Speaker." They said they needed a roadmap. That we needed a roadmap to lockdown. If we listened to them, we wouldn't have anybody working at all, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I've heard on the grapevine there might be a vacancy for Prime Minister soon, so maybe I should have aspirations. The Prime Minister pretends it's not his fault. He blames the global forces. He blames the market. Mr Speaker, we're an aspirational party. Maybe the Prime Minister needs to be more aspirational for this country. But, Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister has made political choices that have led us into this place. His government has failed to invest in long-term energy security. His government decided to let gas storages collapse. His government let the energy market run out of control. 27 energy companies have gone bust in the last year. And now household bills are going through the roof. Or as the money-saving expert Martin Lewis put it, there will be a seismic hit on energy bills. Can't the Prime Minister see what's happening yet again? Working families are picking up the tab for his incompetence. Well, Mr Speaker, she talks, she talks about energy. I think the House will agree she's got a lot more energy than the current leader of the, uh, of the, uh, of the opposition. And I, and I, and I, I, I welcome her, uh, her point, because actually what the government is doing is supporting people throughout the, uh, the pandemic. Uh, 2.2 million people supported with the Warm Homes uh, discount, Mr Speaker, worth £140 uh, per week, which we introduced. Uh, pensioners supported uh, with the £300 winter fuel payments, uh, Mr Speaker. Cold, 
cold weather payments worth £25 a week for 4 million people up and down the country. That is what we are, that is what we are doing, Mr Speaker, and that is on top of everything we're doing to support uh, people on low incomes cutting uh, taxes for the, those on universal credit, increasing, increasing the living wage, £1,000 more for everybody on the living wage, up record times. And Mr Speaker, let me just remind the House of the fundamental difference between that party and this government. They, they, would, have, they would have kept us in lockdown in July, Mr Speaker. Uh, when, Omicron, when Omicron hit, they were calling for further restrictions. We've been, that's right, Mr Speaker. We've been able to keep this country moving and keep the economy growing and keep the money coming into people's pockets, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, I'll tell you what this Prime Minister is doing. He's increasing taxes to the hard-working people of this country. That's what he's doing. That's what he didn't promise in his manifesto, but that's what he's doing to the people. And I quote Mr Speaker... The poorest households spend three times more on their income on household energy bills than the richest households spend. VAT on energy bills makes gas and electricity more expensive. Not my words, Mr Speaker, but the words of the Prime Minister himself. When energy bills are going to be hiked again in April, any decent government would find a way to help British families. Even the Tory backbenchers have finally accepted Labour's call to cut VAT on energy bills. So will he finally stand up to his Chancellor and do the same? Mr Speaker, let me remind her, she wasn't obviously listening to the previous answer, uh, let, me, let me remind her, the warm homes discount already, 2.2 million people supported to the tune of £140 a week. Pensioners supported uh, with £300 uh, through the winter fuel payment. Uh, the, the, the cold weather payments for 4 million people. And she now, they now have the effrontery, Mr Speaker, having campaigned, and she did too, I think, didn't she? Yes. I think, oh yes, she campaigned to remain in the EU. Oh yes, oh yes, she did. Uh, they now have the bare-faced cheek to come to this, country, to, this, to this House of Commons and say that they want to cut VAT on fuel, when everybody knows, and he did too, Mr Speaker, everybody knows full well it would be absolutely impossible if they were to do what Labour would do and go back into the EU, remain aligned with the EU single market. That is the objective of the Labour Party. They can't be trusted on Brexit, Mr Speaker, and they can't be trusted on the economy. How's it going? Are you okay? <laughs> the Prime Minister and his Chancellor have presided over economic mismanagement, low growth, and neglect of our public services. And their resolution to fix this whacking more taxes on working people. Combine the tax rise with soaring energy prices and the average family faces a hit of a £1,200. This is an iceberg, Mr Speaker, right ahead. So will he finally stop and change call? Order, order. We started the new year not in the way we left the last one. You did give me an assurance we were going to try and calm down. So if we can, it will be helpful. Angela Rayner. Mr Speaker, £1,200 hit right away. So will he finally stop and change course, or will he plough on 
towards what will be a disaster for thousands of families. Uh, Mr Speaker, as a direct result of what we've already done on universal credit, a single mother with two kids is £1,200 better off. Mr. Speaker, as a result of what we've done with the living wage, Mr. Speaker, introduced by this Conservative government, then never let it be, never let it be forgotten. Uh, everybody on the living wage has seen another thousand uh, pounds in their income every year, Mr. Speaker. But, the, but the, that's not the point. The fundamental, and we will continue to look after people throughout the pandemic. But the fundamental point is that because of the steps the government has taken because of the tough decisions we've taken, because of the balanced and the proportionate approach that we've taken to COVID. We've been able to keep this country open, keep our economy moving, more open than any other comparable economy in Europe. And they know it, Mr Speaker, and they opposed it every step of the way. And that's why people are seeing increases in employment and increases in their pay packets as well. Mr Speaker, this Prime Minister always gives with one hand and takes away with the other. Under this Prime Minister, the country is worse off. Prices for everyday goods are soaring out of control. Hard-earned savings will be hit and the wages of working people won't go as far. Inflation isn't an economic theory, it has serious consequences for people's lives. We need serious solutions, Mr Speaker, to stop people falling into poverty or debt. Instead, Mr Speaker, we have this Prime Minister and his incompetent leadership. And every time we are faced with a challenge, he denies there's a problem. He tries to laugh it off. He looks for someone else to blame. So can I suggest to the Prime Minister, it's not about brushing your hair, it's about brushing up on your act. Does he accept his incompetence is taking our country backwards and costing our country dear? No, Mr Speaker. What I, what I tell the House and tell the country is that Labour incompetence has ruined this country time and time again. A Labour government that has left office with unemployment lower than when they came in. And what is her answer, Mr. Speaker, to the energy crisis? It is to nationalise our, our energy. Uh, it was, in fact, Labour's failure to invest in uh, supply over, over a decade or more uh, that reduced our ability uh, to have uh, cheaper, uh, cleaner energy, Mr. Speaker. We are rectifying that. We're taking the tough decisions that this country needs for the long term. And it's because we've taken those tough decisions, Mr Speaker, uh, because we've taken the balanced and proportionate approach uh, that we have, that they oppose every step of the way, that we have youth unemployment at a record low. We have 420,000 more people in jobs now than there were before the pandemic began. And, Mr Speaker, we not only have the op- most open uh, society and economy in Europe, but we also have the fastest economic growth in the G7. Uh, completely contrary to what she has just said, Mr. Speaker. And that is because of our stable, balanced and proportionate approach. And, and when, when, never let it be forgotten, when Omicron, when Omicron presented itself, what did they go for? They reached for the lever of more restrictions. They said lockdown, Mr. Speaker. We said boosters. They carp from the sidelines. We get on with the job.
want more? You won't get more at this rate, will you? Mr Penrose has been waiting patiently. Why do you not want to hear him? Because I do. John Penrose. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The biggest factor driving up our fuel bills and cost of living is the skyrocketing international price of gas, which is currently dancing to a tune set in Moscow. Will the Prime Minister agree with me that Labour's short-term proposals to shift the burden from bill payers to taxpayers won't address this fundamental underlying problem at all? That the crisis demands structural reform to the energy price cap rather than just resetting it later this year, and energy self-sufficiency to uncouple us from Russian gas as well? Yes, I thank my honourable friend, and he is completely right, and that's why uh, this government is taking the tough decision to invest in the long-term future of our energy supply, uh, investing in massively increasing our supply of renewables, but nuclear as well, uh, Mr Speaker, and that is the right way forward for this country. And uh, I think it is absolutely... And it was Labour, of course, who completely failed to take those decisions with the result that uh, nuclear in particular uh, fell away uh, dramatically. And it is absolutely farcical that their, their answer today... Uh, Labour's answer today to the, to the energy uh, price rises, which, uh, which my honourable friend correctly diagnoses, is to nationalise our energy. Yes, it is. Is it? Well, maybe they've changed their minds now. But it was. Uh, maybe, maybe they've had a second. Maybe they've had a second. But their answer was to nationalise our energy sector and to send bills even higher. And that is not the way forward. They did the SNP in Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I wish you, colleagues and all staff, uh, a good New Year? Mr Speaker, over the last few weeks, serious warnings have grown over the Tory cost of living crisis, which will hit the majority of families over the coming months. New research from the Resolution Foundation has found that, on average, families will be £1,200 worse off from April as a result of Tory cuts, tax hikes and soaring energy bills. For members of the Tory government, £1,200 might not seem very much. For the, for the Foreign Secretary, it is just another taxpayer-funded lunch in Mayfair. For the Prime Minister, it's just a roll of fancy wallpaper for his taxpayers-funded flat. But for the vast majority of families, losing £1,200 a year will be catastrophic. For some, it will mean that they can't afford to pay their rent and bills, to heat their homes or to put food on the table. So will the Prime Minister apologise for leaving millions of families worse off? And will he commit to an emergency financial package to reverse his Tory cost-of-living crisis? Here, here. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I find that criticism hard to take from the, the humble crofter, uh, <laughs> if, if, I, if I may say. Uh, but uh, what we are doing... Uh, uh, with whom, I, as I stress, Mr. Speaker, I have normally very, very good uh, relations off the pitch. Uh, but uh, what we are doing, uh, what we are doing, is helping families up and down uh, the country, uh, tapering, uh, making sure that uh, the, a single mother with two kids uh, gets 1,200 more on universal credit, a thousand pounds more uh, as a result of the increase to the living wage. But the, the crucial thing, Mr. Speaker, I'm trying to get over this afternoon is that we, unlike virtually any other European economy, have been able to keep going and keep people uh, in work, and we've now got more people in work than there were before the pandemic began. That is because of the balanced and the proportionate approach that we've been taking, and I think his support will be welcome and deserved. Ian Blackford. 
My goodness, Mr Speaker, we're talking about a Tory cost-of-living crisis. So much for a, a new year, a no start, because it's the same nonsense from this failing Prime Minister. We've had the year of Tory sleaze, but now we've got the year of Tory squeeze for family budgets. Economists have warned that UK living standards will worsen in 2022. With the poorest households hit hardest by Tory cuts, tax hikes and soaring inflation driven by his government's policy. Under this Prime Minister, the UK already has the worst levels of poverty and inequality in North West Europe. Now the Tories are making millions of families poorer. In Scotland, the SNP government is mitigating this Tory poverty crisis by doubling the Scottish child payment to £20 per week. So, can I ask the Prime Minister, will he match the Scottish Government and introduce a £20 child payment across the UK, or will the Tories push hundreds of thousands of children into poverty as a direct result of his policies? Uh, Mr Speaker, he's talking, I'm afraid, total nonsense. And we, uh, we, uh, this, is a, this is a government that is absolutely determined, as I've said uh, throughout this uh, pandemic, to look after, particularly to look after the poorest and the neediest, which is what the Chancellor did with his, all his packages, were, were uh, extremely progressive in their effect. And when I came in uh, to office, we made sure that we uprated the Local Housing Alliance, because I understand the importance of that allowance uh, for families on low on, on low incomes. We're supporting uh, vulnerable renters. That's why we're putting money into local authorities to help uh, families up and down uh, the country, to, uh, up and down the country who, is, uh, who are facing tough times. But he, his fundamental point is wrong. He's just wrong about what is happening in this country. Actually, if you look at the statistics, Mr Speaker, inequality, economic inequality is down, Mr Speaker, in this country. A income inequality is down, Mr Speaker, and poverty is down. I'll tell you why. Because we get people into work. We get people into jobs, Mr Speaker. That is our answer. Robert Thank you, Mr Speaker. The London Borough of Bromley has achieved the fastest and most significant improvement in children's services of any local authority in England. Much of that credit is due to its exceptional Chief Executive, Mr Adi Adetasoye. Will my right honourable friend join me in congratulating Mr Adetasoye upon his appointment as a commander of the British Empire in the New Year's Honours List and congratulate the Conservative majority on the Council on delivering the only debt-free council in London? Uh, well, I, I can't believe that Hillingdon isn't included in that list, uh, Mr Speaker, but uh, it is no surprise to me that Bromley uh, it runs such a tight ship. I've been familiar with, uh, with Bromley over many, many years. He and I have, uh, have campaigned there together, I, and I, I commend particularly Adi Adetasoye, a CBE, on his achievement. And Paul, and David. <laughs> Happy New Year, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, I'm sure the Prime Minister will want to join me and my Liberal Democrat colleagues in welcoming the new member for North Shropshire. Mr Speaker, people's already high heating bills are about to jump by over 50%, with average energy bills rising by nearly £700 a year. Gas price rises will push millions more families into fuel poverty when we know many are already afraid 
even to open their heating bills. Does the Prime Minister accept that he could be doing much, much more than he is doing to prevent millions of people going hungry and cold this year, while he remains, for now at least, in the warmth and comfort of number 10? Mr. Speaker, of course, I, I welcome the Honourable Lady to her, uh, to her place. Uh, but uh, for the rest of what he had to say, Mr. Speaker, I think balls was the word. Uh, I, I think you, 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 were, you were right first time. I, I think I can. I, your, your word, Mr. Speaker, not mine. Uh, 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 he, he, uh, and I simply, I simply advise the House to go back over what I have just said about all the protections uh, we're putting in place already. Uh, the winter fuel payments, the warm homes allowance, what we're doing to support pensioners, the £670 million we're putting in to support local councils, Mr Speaker. And if, if he talks about long-term energy solutions, is this the, is this the same Ed Ballstroke Davy uh, who was uh, an energy minister, uh, Mr Speaker? Thank you, Mr Speaker. Hospitalisations in London have peaked, so the Prime Minister was absolutely right to hold his nerve on the restrictions few weeks. But does he agree the NHS faces not just Omicron (coughs) staffing absences, but permanent and dangerous staffing shortfalls in nearly every specialty? And will he end the cycle whereby those shortfalls continually threaten not just patient care, but sometimes even our freedoms by overhauling workforce planning, by backing uh, Baroness Cumberledge's amendment to the Health Bill in the House of Lords, having a word with his neighbour in Downing Street and making 2022 the year we finally solve this problem. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, Mr. Speaker, I, I think my right honourable friend's amendment may have re-emerged in another in another place, and I, I thank him for uh, he knows a great deal about this issue, and I understand what he's what he's trying to do. Uh, we're, we're, we are taking, uh, for the time being, a different approach, which is record uh, numbers of people working in our NHS more than ever before. 5,000 more doctors this year than last year, 10,000 uh, more nurses, Mr Speaker. That is, that is thanks to the investment that this House voted through and that opposition unbelievably opposed. My mother, Dr Nancy Savile, was diagnosed with dementia just before Christmas. She had a stroke a year ago. I was called to sit with her in hospital on Monday because of a COVID staff shortage, but I fear that myself, like many of our constituents in similar circumstances, are likely to be separated indefinitely when she is moved into an EMI nursing home. John's campaign has successfully campaigned in every UK nation that people disabled by dementia have a special need for person-centred care, and that under the Equality Act 2010. But in reality, there remain many care homes and hospitals where even the most minimal visits can be denied, leading to isolation and separation, which cause irreversible damage to well-being. Does he agree with me that the human rights of disabled people, sick people and the elderly are not fair-weather luxuries, and that everyone with dementia, wherever they live, has the right to family life? Uh, Mr Speaker, can I first extend my, my deepest sympathies to uh, the Right Honourable Lady and I'm sure the whole House and, and everybody who's listened uh, will uh, have, have shared her feelings and, 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 and simply wish to extend their condolences as, as, uh, in view of, what, of her mother's current uh, condition. 
and I know how her feelings must be exacerbated uh, by the difficulties that uh, so many people up and down the country are facing uh, because of the restrictions we're having to put on, on care homes, and I, I sympathise uh, deeply. Uh, we do have to try to strike a, a balance and to keep uh, care homes residents safe and, uh, and, and do what we can to prevent uh, the uh, epidemic from uh, taking hold uh, in care homes. Uh, we continue to allow three nominated visitors uh, to, uh, to care homes, uh, and there should be no uh, limit to the duration of those, uh, of those visits, Mr Speaker. But I understand the particular uh, distress and, uh, and anxiety that uh, the Right Honourable Lady's uh, circumstances are causing, and can I suggest uh, that she has a, a meeting uh, as soon as it can be arranged with my Right Honourable fr Friend, the Secretary of State for Health. Yeah. Dr Caroline Johnson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, many of my constituents have contacted me with their concerns about rising utility bills and the high cost of fuel for their cars. People in rural constituencies, are, like Sleaford and North Highcombe, are particularly affected by this because the rural areas are colder in the winter, many of the homes are not on the gas grid, rural people are much more reliant on their cars and public services are very much further from home. I would therefore like to ask my right honourable friend what more he can do, particularly in rural communities, to ensure that my constituents have a reliable and affordable source of energy and fuel. I, I, I thank her very much, and she's, she's uh, drawing attention to a, a very important uh, consideration as we try to uh, deal, abate the, the, the increases in, in gas, uh, in the cost of gas, and the cost of uh, the cost of energy. Uh, so, for people in a rural constituencies such as her own, it will be an important point that we've frozen a fuel duty uh, for the 12th uh, year in a row. That the energy price cap itself remains uh, in place uh, clearly, and we're doing everything we can to help people with the energy efficiency of their homes. Uh, what we're also doing is all the other measures that I've, uh, I've explained uh, to the House. Uh, but, Mr Speaker, the most important thing that, that we can do to help people in her constituency and across the country is to have sustainable, uh, clean, uh, cheaper forms uh, of energy. And that is what this in government is investing in now, uh, and we are taking the tough decisions necessary. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, statutory sick pay is worth £3 a week less in real terms compared with the start of the pandemic. And millions of workers are being forced to choose between isolating and putting food on the table. In Germany, 100% of workers' salaries are covered by sick pay, whereas in the UK it is a pitiful 19%. So I asked the Prime Minister if he thought earning £250,000 from his second job was chicken feed, how on earth does he expect working people to survive on £96 a week when they get sick. And if he agrees that many lives and livelihoods could be saved by increasing sick pay, will he commit here and now to raising it to the level of the real living wage? Mr Speaker, I thank the uh, Honourable Gentleman. Uh, of course, as he knows, one of the first things we did when, we, uh, when, when COVID struck was to make sure that statutory sick pay uh, was payable uh, from uh, day one, so it's up to 75% uh, more, more generous if you need to, uh, to self-isolate. And uh, the, the current uh, statutory sick pay is, of course, a minimum. More than uh, half of employees actually get uh, contractual sick pay uh, from, their, from, their, from their employer. But the most important thing we can do, Mr. Speaker, is ensure that uh, we continue to get, keep people in work, in jobs, and in higher wage, higher skilled jobs, and that, and that is what we are doing. 
Thank you very much indeed, Mr Speaker. And later today, I will be seeking to introduce a bill to extend auto-enrolment to pensions for everyone aged over 18, including part-time workers. That would see trillions of pounds in long-term savings, levelling up the retirements of workers, especially women, in the towns and villages of North West Durham and across the country. As the Prime Minister seeks to build back better from the global pandemic, Will he throw his weight behind these important changes that would benefit workers across our United Kingdom? Over 10 million people have been automatically enrolled into uh, workplace pensions uh, already. Uh, That's put another 28.4 billion uh, into uh, into pensions. So it's a a great success. Uh, But uh, I'm sure that uh, my honourable friend, the Secretary of State for for Pensions, will be listening closely uh, to what he has said. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, we know the Prime Minister is happiest at Peppa Pig World, but in the, in, in the real world, people in Southwark face rising energy bills, rising shopping costs, and a new Tory tax. But leaseholders also face huge costs for fire safety works post Glenfield required by his government. So, will the Prime Minister try and keep just one promise in 2022 and protect all leaseholders from those costs? And will he back the cross party campaign to, to make those works exempt from VAT to add a billion pounds to the building safety fund? I thank the, the, the Honourable. Uh, gentlemen, actually, I think what most L- Londoners uh, want is uh, protection from high-taxing Labour councils. In, 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 my, in, in my experience, uh, but, but what they, what they, which is, uh, what they will also get is uh, we will deliver on our uh, on our pledge to protect residents from uh, from serious fire safety risks and also and also to manage uh, the injustice that leaseholders uh, face, Mr. Speaker. And uh, the House can look forward uh, to being updated shortly. Chairman Felt. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The very best of British science has been on display over the last 18 months, being responsible for the design and the manufacture of many of the vaccines that have kept us safe during this pandemic. Bayes' focus on making the UK the best place uh, to practice life sciences and to innovate is therefore welcome, as is their cluster strategy. With that in mind, would my right honourable friend back Ulverston as being the pioneer place for the cluster strategy to be rolled out, enabling high wage and high growth jobs to be based in my constituency of Barrow and Furness? Yes, Mr Speaker, because we're going to get on with our job of levelling up across the whole of the UK, making sure that every every part of this uh, United Kingdom shares in our ambition to be a science superpower, which is uh, what we are and what we will be, Mr Speaker. Ulverston has a rich history in the uh, life sciences and uh, we are in, uh, in regular consultation, not just uh, and officials in, uh, in, uh, in Bayes are in conversations uh, with, uh, with him and uh, with, uh, uh, with officials in the sector uh, to see what more we can do for further investments in the area. Andrew Mitchell. Mr Speaker, a number of people in my Stockport constituency have contacted me about the lack of NHS dentists and the prohibitive cost of private dental treatment. Just a few weeks ago, one constituent contacted me and said... I work full-time as a mental health support worker. I'm on minimum wage and can barely afford the reduced NHS dental costs. In the past three months, I've had to go to the emergency dentist three times for the same tooth, with the infection initially getting so bad I collapsed at work. The problem is not being dealt with because you need a second appointment, which isn't classed as an emergency and thus needs your regular dentist. Does the Prime Minister agree that stories like this amount to nothing less than a national scandal? And what steps will he take to reduce the backlog of NHS dental appointments? And further, will he commit to increasing the number of NHS dentists across England? Uh, 
I, I, I thank him, but it goes to show why it's so important uh, to keep this country going, Mr Speaker, and to keep people going to the, to the dentist, because one of the troubles we've had during lockdown, uh, people haven't been going. Ten million, ten million unfilled fillings, I'm told, uh, Mr Speaker, and uh, that's why we're putting record investment into, uh, into dentistry, into the NHS. £36 billion pounds, uh, for all their caterwauling, Mr Speaker. They opposed that investment. Can we remedy the current flawed budgetary process whereby it's possible to build 14,000 new homes in my constituency without any commensurate increase in general practice capacity? And as we house the next generation, we must make sure that the infrastructure goes in at the same time. <clears throat> yes, Mr. Speaker, and that's why we're, and I thank him, and he's completely right. Uh, you, you can't uh, build new homes without putting in the infrastructure uh, to go with it, Mr. Speaker, and that's why, and that's why, and that's why we have a colossal programme of infrastructure investment, uh, the biggest uh, for, for a century, and uh, that's why we're, in, we're investing not only in, uh, in more GPs, Mr. Speaker, but another £250 million into more GP practices, and, and they're calculating away as usual. Uh, they voted against that spending. Millions across the United Kingdom are facing great difficulty with their energy bills. 30% of those bills are actually driven by the government in the form of VAT and various green levies. Now that we have left the EU, Prime Minister, can we use our Brexit freedom to at least review the VAT on those bills? And given that some of the green levies are spent on madcap ideas such as subsidising Draxby Power Station to the tune of a billion pounds a year to bring wood chips from America when there's fuel down the road, can we have a review of the green levy as well so that people are not forced with the burden of unsustainable fuel bills? I, I, I thank the right honourable gentleman. I can, I can tell him uh, that we are addressing the uh, issue of uh, fuel. Don't forget that the, the cap is, is still in place, uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, and uh, what we will do, uh, and, and all, the, all the mitigations that I, I've talked about uh, are, are there, Mr. Speaker, but we are, we are determined to do what we can to help people through this, to help people through this pandemic, and we will. But the, what we must do above all is make sure this country has a better supply of cheap and affordable energy, which they hopelessly are refused to institute during their 13 wasted years in government. Speaker, last week my constituent Edna Constable turned 100 years old. She lived through the Second World War and now of course she's living through a pandemic. Will my right honourable friend join me in wishing her a belated happy birthday? And will you pay tribute to the care workers who are taking care of her, not just in uh, Fountain Care Homes but across my constituency and across the rest of the country who go over and above to protect the most vulnerable in our society? Well, can I I thank him very much and say uh, that I want to thank all the staff at uh, Fountain Care Home and everything that they've been doing uh, to look after people throughout the the pandemic. But in particular, I want to join my honourable friend in wishing uh, the centenarian uh, Edna a very, very happy 100th birthday. Charlotte Nettles. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Groundbreaking research published yesterday in the Journal of Psychopharmacology from King's College London in partnership with Compass Pathways has now established that psilocybin can be safely administered and may have significant therapeutic benefit in treatment-resistant depression and PTSD. 
As someone who knows firsthand how debilitating PTSD is, as well as hearing from many, many constituents who have developed the condition as a result of sexual assault or their experiences serving in our armed forces, can the Prime Minister today commit to a review of the regulatory regime that would allow for further and more rapid research in this vital area of mental health support for which current treatment options are currently sorely lacking? Yeah. I, I thank her very much for her question and, and uh, appreciate the, the personal experience that she has uh, that, that, that makes her interested in psilocybin. Uh, I, I'm, I'm aware of interest in, uh, in this area. It's been, it's been drawn to my attention several times. Uh, can, I, can I propose that she has uh, a meeting as soon as it can be arranged uh, with the relevant Minister and Department of Health? Apparently the government is thinking of relaxing visa controls from India in order to get a free trade deal. Whilst a free trade deal is valuable in itself, we should not be held to ransom. Would he agree with me that our new working class voters who voted Brexit did not vote to replace immigration from Europe with more immigration from the rest of the world, any more that when they were told that they would take back control, we would lose control of the channel? So will he convince us that he is determined to connect to our supporters and control immigration? Yes, yes, Mr. Speaker, and I, I don't uh, recognise the, the account he's given at all. We don't, uh, we don't do free trade deals on that, uh, on that basis. And I can tell him, actually, uh, that uh, net immigration, uh, since we took back control, uh, has gone down, uh, Mr. Speaker. And, uh, and uh, we will continue to make sure that we take advantage. And all, that's all they want, Mr. Speaker. Their answer is everywhere and always release. Uh, uncontrolled immigration. That is, that is, that is their approach uh, to the economy, and it's not the right way forward. That's why our Borders Bill, currently in the House of Lords, is so important, uh, Mr. Speaker, because it enables us uh, properly uh, to take back control of our borders and to tackle illegal immigration, Mr. Speaker. And what would be what would be good, Mr. Speaker, is to hear from support, uh, some support from the Labour benches. No question, Kevin Brennan. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Five years ago, when the Prime Minister was Foreign Secretary, um, my constituent Luke Simons was uh, taken captive by the Houthis in Yemen. And unfortunately, he's got the former Foreign Secretary sat next to him and another former Foreign Secretary behind him, both of whom have served during that period of time. Luke Simons is still in captivity uh, in Sana'a, even though other nationalities, including the Americans, have managed to get their citizens released. Will he uh, pledge that his government will do everything it can to get Luke released from captivity in the Yemen and arrange that the Foreign Secretary meets with my constituent, Luke's grandfather, uh, Mr Robert Cummings, uh, in order to discuss how to go about doing that? Yeah. Uh, I, I thank you for raising this again. I, and I, I remember the, uh, the case, and it's a very uh, sad one, Mr. Speaker. I know that our, our staff in the FCO work very, very hard. FCDO work very, very hard uh, to try to release uh, people as, as, uh, around the world from the positions they find themselves in. Uh, Luke, is, uh, Luke Simons is no exception uh, to that. Uh, but I will certainly make sure that uh, he has uh, a meeting with the relevant uh, minister to, to, to report on progress we're making. No, 